Hey everyone, and welcome to The Rational Republican, a podcast where we look at complex issues facing us here in Oregon and around the nation. We'll try to address issues from a nonpartisan perspective and view our disagreements through a lens of respect rather than tribalism or divisiveness. I'm James Ball. This is Nick Perlosky. Hey listeners, how we doing? Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors. ProLift is your one-stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same-day service on all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving the greater Portland metro area, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 or at proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Again, that's 503 558 6349 or proliftdoors.com slash Portland. On this episode of the podcast, uh, once again, just me and Nick, uh, no guest for you today. And we're actually talking about maybe just doing a few more of these um, with just Nick and me rather than trying to find a guest every couple of weeks. Turns out that that's uh, kind of a tall order. The so, summer doldrums and there's session and there's campaigns starting to kick into gear. So and our we'll talk about all that stuff, but just not always with the people who are involved in them. Exactly. So one of the things we wanted to talk touch on this week was uh, the Texas abortion law that just went into effect recently, which basically says you can't have abortions after the sixth week of pregnancy, which is, I guess, when you can uh, detect a fetal heartbeat, I think is the, the rationale for the six-week that was the Point. idea. They're, I think they were calling it the heartbeat bill, and that was, that's the idea behind it. Yeah. So, um, effectively making abortion illegal, because I would imagine I'm I'm not an expert on this. I've never been pregnant, uh, so I can't tell that you, you for know sure. of how we are right. I mean, who knows? Maybe I have, but uh, I would. Im- my understanding: a lot of times you don't know that you're pregnant until you've missed a period, which is four weeks in. So then you have literally single digit number of days to decide if you want to have an abortion or not at that point. And it is something like it's in the 90s percent of uh, the number of pregnancies that are terminated is is after the six week mark. It's mm-hmm. there's kind of a, a window there of it. I remember uh, probably eight or 10 years ago. This is Wendy Davis, the gal who ran for governor in Texas. She became famous because she was filibustering a 24 a week abortion ban and that was another one that Democrats got all hot and bothered. And it's like, it's something like 2% of abortions occur after the 24 week mark. You guys are arguing about literally like 18 procedures or something like that. Like what's, Mm. what are we talking about here? But this obviously is much different because this is the vast, vast, vast majority of actual abortions are performed after six weeks. So this is, as you said, effectively bans the practice of abortion in the state of Texas. Right. So one of the things I wanted to get out of the way early is, uh, you are a male, I believe. I This you know. is true. And uh, I also am a male. This is also ne- true. Neither of us is capable of uh, getting pregnant. So uh, are, are, we, are we allowed to talk about this? Do we, are we allowed to have an opinion on the topic of abortion? So I will say personally for me, I actually, I did talk to a couple of different people of the female persuasion and said, would you be interested in coming on? And I, with scheduling and whatever we did, as James kind of led with at the top, we weren't able to get anybody else. So if 
the fact that it's just two males and especially two white males, two white straight cis males of relative privilege. If, if that's not your cup of tea to talk about abortion, then I please by all means turn us off. I, I would have liked to give whatever little platform we had. I would have liked to have a female voice on here because I think it would have been interesting to hear a, a perspective other than just our own. Cause you and I hang out a lot and we kind of know each other's perspectives it's pretty true. well already. It's true. But, um, but obviously at the same time, yeah, as you said, neither of us has been pregnant. Neither of us ever will be pregnant. And regardless of any individual woman's feelings about abortion, they'll also, they're also going to be the ones who experience pregnancy and what it's like to have morning sickness and what it's like to weigh the idea of whether you want to have an abortion and weigh, weigh the idea of, you know, if it's not a person you're in a committed relationship with, is he going to be able to support you emotionally and financially? And there's a lot of different decisions that go in on there that you and I are never going to have the, the heft to, to be able to actually discuss with any lived experience as the term goes. Sure. I feel like that said, though, it is a policy debate. It is we are two public policy people. We are in the politics arena. And especially as Republicans, we need to have an opinion on this. We need yeah. to be educated and informed and have an opinion on this. And I think the way you do that is by reading all the stuff that we did before this and by having this conversation and by, you know, hopefully getting yelled at on Twitter by somebody and whatever and, you know, going back and Googling more stuff. And this is how you have policy conversations, whether or not yeah. you're man, woman, we have affirmative action conversations, despite the fact that we're not black. We have, you know, wick conversations, despite the fact that we're not uh, of limited means enough that we're ever going to qualify for wick. You know, we, you can have a discussion sure. about all these different things, even if it's not going to be part of your lived experience. I sure. feel. And one of the things that I like to do when I'm when I'm looking at kind of these contentious issues is uh, kind of look at extreme examples where people tend to agree and then kind of work your way to the middle and figure out um, kind of really, really dial in that that point where where it becomes contentious. And so kind of with this, I look at an unfertilized egg. Basically, everyone would agree that that is a woman's choice. You know, if you want to take birth control, if you want to donate your eggs, you know, whatever that is between the mother and or potential mother and herself, nobody else. On the other hand, you take a, uh, a two year old and this is, um, you can't, you can't kill a two year old, even if you are the mother. So at some point between zero unfertilized egg and two years old, there, there's a point where the mother's it stops being a woman's issue and it becomes a, a societal issue. You know, murder is wrong. And, and at some point it doesn't matter who your relation to the person that, that is being killed at some point in that spectrum of human development, there is a point where it stops being a personal issue and it stops and it starts being a public issue. At least that's um, the way that the law is written and the way the law is, is enforced. And, you know, in Oregon, that is at the moment of, of birth, and now in Texas, I guess it's uh, six weeks after six conception. Weeks. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think I think that it is worthwhile to have the conversation. And and being men, I think that, um, I think again, it's it's debating where that line is. Where like where does it become a public policy decision? Where is it now society's responsibility to protect that human life? Whereas prior to that point, it was, you know, it is the woman's choice. Well, so, and I and I, I think you just hit on an interesting point uh, that is, I think, 
a little bit where the where the 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 two sides kind of come come at loggerheads. And for those, most of the people listen to this instead of watching it on YouTube, which you should watch on YouTube. We got to we we just took twenty minutes to <laughs> get your camera up and work. Yeah, it took a while. <laughs> we had to refill our cocktails. Um, but I so I, I just did a my two hands waving in the air and not not being able to interact. And I feel like on the individuals on the left see this as an issue of healthcare of uh, women's choice of privacy between a, a, a woman and her doctor and those on the right see this as an issue of the sanctity of life and where does mm-hmm. life begin and, and i feel both. like it's, yeah I was gonna, it's I, both i was going to say at, it is, at there is a point where it switches from one to the other it is yeah it's it, so. it's always going to be both of those issues and i think both sides frankly are are at least uh somewhat bald facing hypocrisy uh when when you kind of talk about that the uh, i'll start with the republicans just because this is this is what we do on this <laughs> podcast is rag on republicans but uh, republicans love to describe themselves as pro-life and they'll mm-hmm. always they'll always mean pro-life and that they are opposed to abortion generally when it's a politician they'll say they're opposed to abortion except in cases of rape and incest so that you don't sound like too much of a, you know, Neanderthal caveman going back to the, the battle days or if somebody rapes you, you're still forced to carry that pregnancy to term. But generally, conservatives like to describe themselves as pro-life. And a lot of times they're not. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, as soon as that baby's born, they don't care if the mother's in poverty. They don't care if the mother's got food on the table. The, 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 the being pro-life stops once the baby is born. Well, so I'll, I'll push back a little bit on that. So that, that is a, a, a trope that the that the left brings out a lot and i think if you look at it from a conservative perspective uh the conservative perspective that says a you are responsible for yourself and your own family um i don't think there's any inconsistency there i mean what what the democrats are trying to say is oh well the government should provide food and the government should provide these things and the government should provide baby food and and healthcare and and uh uh preschool and daycare and this should all be provided by the government and if you disagree with that uh you don't really care about the baby but i believe that in general uh, you are responsible for your own actions and the actions of your of the people you're responsible for, and we are all better off when we are responsible for our own people. And um, you know, you you go to your family, you go to your community if you need help. Uh, the government then is the is the the final entity on that list if you can't get help anywhere else. But to but the, I mean the, the the democratic argument is that if you don't support all of these social programs for young mothers, that you must not care about the baby, which is not true. You can be you can support those things without supporting government sponsorship of those things. I so I think so, that that's I I agree that that's true, and I I won't quite go as far as the kind of Ayn Randian. Yeah, everybody pick everybody up by the bootstraps well, as you sure. described okay. it at the very I mean, beginning. <laughs> but I, I do obviously, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm still a Republican. I'm with you on the idea that, you know, any individual needs to be responsible in for himself, general, whatever his in lot general. in life is. But I also think that I don't see the government's role per se as just providing food and shelter and jobs and transportation and all, you know, all these wonderful things to any individual who asks. I do see the government's role as kind of establishing an infrastructure and making sure that any individual does have the ability to pick himself up by the bootstraps. I think mm-hmm. oftentimes that that ends up being lost. And this is when we had our I want to say like second or third or fourth episode of this uh of this podcast, uh one of the points that I made about abortion was if 
if we were really pro-life, if we we're really the pro-life party, we would ad- advocate for more comprehensive sex ed in schools, more access to contraception, a better a bettering of the adoption system, lowering the mm-hmm. costs, easing the amount of red tape, ensuring that children who are ready to be adopted can go meet, you know, one these wonderful foster families, ensuring that mothers who are not interested in or not interested or not able to to provide care for for a newborn have a means to fall back on and can put the child into into a foster care system knowing that that child will be adopted and loved and part of a family that has the means to take care of it sure but i i think that there's a lot more that the gop could do to be pro-life sure i also think on the left i mean kind of like you said everybody everybody said you know well this is a woman's issue this is healthcare. well at some point 50 percent of those babies that are aborted are women statistically Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. those women didn't have much of a say in in the issue and we can have an uh, we can have an argument about where life begins and at what point is it the taking of a life i'm of the ronald reagan i don't know but i don't want to take any chances i honestly don't know when life begins if it is at conception if it is at the moment of birth if it is the moment where it's you know medically viable somewhere in between we can all have our debates on that i'd just rather not take any chances but i think if you come at it at the argument of well this is this is totally a healthcare thing you're you're missing a vast swath of what the individuals on the right are upset about and that leads to us to the stalemate that we've got now well i mean you get to a point where uh it just becomes political and it becomes your tribe and it becomes you know the talking points it's it's really hard to have one of these like in-depth conversations without um without just bringing it down to the no nobody has this conversation everybody just sticks to your sticks to their talking points this very rarely does anybody have to talk about this um but interesting you brought up that whether or not it's it's a human life and i think the way that you not really get around that that's that's the wrong term but the way that you um the way that you be the way that you are pro-life to to or pro-choice whether regardless of whether or not it is a human life is the idea of uh bodily autonomy or i guess now they're calling it bodily sovereignty where you are in control of everything that happens into your body medically and no one can take that away no one can make you do something to your body that you do not consent to regardless of the consequences and i think that that's what goes on here in oregon because like you said the 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 rule the law in Oregon is up to the moment of birth. You can get an abortion at nine months even, and it's perfectly legal. The only difference between a baby the moment before it's born and the moment after it's born is whether or not it's relying on the mother and is inside the body of the mother. And if you believe in that concept of bodily autonomy or bodily sovereignty, it doesn't really matter if it's alive or if it's a human because you the the concept of autonomy of the woman's body the my body my choice movement supersedes that in a sense and let me give you another example uh are you an organ donor i am i am as well uh but if you decided not to be an organ donor uh all your organs when you die just get buried in the ground with you doesn't matter that it could save half a dozen lives that your kidney or your spleen or your whatever could go to another person who's in need and save that life you even after you're dead, the idea that you have autonomy over your own body is it, it is 
consistent throughout our, our law and throughout our culture. It's not something that we talk about a lot, but it's if you, if you look at how we deal with people, it, you know, um, everything from from the organ donation to blood draw to or uh, um, to abortion to like all of this kind of follows that same principle of you control everything that goes in and out of your body. I think if you try to make the argument that it's not a baby one moment before it's born, it's not a human one more moment before it's born. I think you're you're not uh, I don't think you have a good argument there because physiologically it's the exact same thing before excuse me before birth and a moment after birth and so, I think that the, I, I, I I think that that's a very fair point and I'd honestly this would have been a great opportunity for us to have had a, a person who is pro-choice on this podcast because this well, is kind of where I, I would say that I, I identify as pro-choice. Well, um, there we do have yeah, a pro-choice well, person on this podcast. I mean, podcast. but it depends on how you define it. I mean, I, I think Oregon Rights to Life would define me as pro-choice, but I think that <laughs> the Democratic Party would probably not. <laughs> well, and I, 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 and I feel like that's also fair. Is yeah, it's like you and I are in the middle ground enough on a lot of different issues that yeah, if like we go look at our menchies on this after like. If it's Democrats that are talking like these right wing zealots defending this, which I, I, neither of us has defended the Texas law. And I no. I won't speak for you, but I don't think either of us is going to. No. But look at these crazy right wing zealots. They think that they can talk about abortion. Whereas you go, if we go to the next Multnomah County Republican Party meeting with, a you know, a We're lot of hardcore lefties. Trump yeah. supporters and whatever. They're going to look at us and they say, who are these? These guys aren't even Republicans. Get kicked them out of the party. They had the audacity to say that <laughs> maybe, maybe abortion shouldn't be totally illegal outlawed every single instance of every single mother. If, any, if anyone is curious what the Multnomah County Republicans think of me, just uh, just Google James Ball <laughs> Multnomah County Republican Party and uh, there's a Willamette Week article that uh, sums it up pretty well. Spoiler alert, it's not good. They are not your friends. <laughs> they don't like me. That is, that's not the way that that goes. But um, it, it it does end up being interesting because it, it, it really is a um, you do have to decide at, at, at one point if if you are a liberal, if you are a leftist, if you are uh, pro-choice, as as any individual choose to define him or herself, um, where you're comfortable drawing that line for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think this is another way I, a lot of individuals who are pro-choice say, well, I personally would never get an abortion, but I, I want the right to exist for other women out there in case that they are not of similar belief as me well, so or not of similar means as me. I, and I, I mean, I get I, that I, argument. But at the same time, I, I don't. I, I would never say like, "Well, I don't want to commit arson." But if somebody else really wants to, yeah, there was a quote from. It was attributed to Pete Buttigieg. But it was on Facebook, so who knows who actually said it? It could have been the guy who posted it. Um, but basically, said where you draw that line should be up to the woman having the baby. That 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 line you will not cross should be an individual decision and not dictated by the state. And I understand the sentiment, but. At a certain point, it becomes murder. Like I said before, like at, at the moment of birth, it doesn't matter if you consent to killing your child. It, like it, that's that's murder and you're going to go to jail. So if, if you try to, you cannot execute your toddler like that. That's <laughs> there is a hard line in the sand that you cannot cross. I think it's like 20 years old now, but there was an episode of South Park where 
Cartman's mother is is trying to learn more about abortion and she she goes through and like meets all these different people at different levels of government and finally she ends up talking to Bill Clinton and Bill Clinton says how far along are you and Cartman's mom says well he's eight years old and Bill Clinton is like what is wrong with and she says oh oh sorry I don't mean abortion I mean adoption how old can the child be before I can give him up for adoption and I uh, and that's that's a little bit the, the I feel like the point it's that South you're making Park, is like yeah. uh, of course uh, well and again I I guess I shouldn't speak for everybody there's probably some very far left person who would say yeah no it's any time the mother wants you should be able to abort your baby even there, after it's born but I, I'd say most people are in agreement with you that there's a hard line at some point and so point, so yes. I I agree with you uh, Mayor Pete Secretary Pete um, whatever you're going by these days uh, that. For most people, at certain point, that it is their decision of what line they will not cross. But at a certain point, it becomes a public policy issue. And that's what we're debating. We're not debating people's individual, what they're willing to accept or what they think is is a life versus not a life versus murder versus just a healthcare decision. That's not what we're debating. We're debating that hard line where it, it does become killing a human being. And, and we, uh, where if you, if you're, an Oregonian liberal and you draw that at the moment of birth. That's where you draw that line. If you are a Texas Republican and you draw that line at six weeks because that's when there's a viable heartbeat. If you're probably the majority of the country and you draw that line somewhere in between, I think in row it was a at the third trimester. And I think now as medical technology has progressed, you can reasonably have medical viability of a fetus outside the womb at 20 weeks. 18 weeks, 16 weeks, the, the, the time is always going to get shorter and yeah. shorter and shorter. And so at, at some point, I mean, at some point it is going to be six weeks before, Hey, that, that child, that fetus, that is viable of cells in your womb, womb. is yeah. viable. Yeah. And, and that's and why I, I think that body, the, the idea of body autonomy or body sovereignty is so important because it kind of, it just kind of sidesteps that issue of what's viable or what's a heartbeat or where does it feel pain or like all of those issues are kind of, nebulous they're kind of uh arbitrary in a sense if you look at it as the woman has complete autonomy over her body throughout the pregnancy uh then then i think that that's the really the the morally consistent way to look at abortion either that or um Life begins at conception, and everything after that is is murder. So as a, I don't as, know that anywhere in the between is really morally consistent. And I, I, honestly, since you brought that up, so now I'm curious because this has been kind of a fun development of the last six months. Is um, is since we're talking about moral consistency, um, the 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 anti-vax, anti-mask crowd. I was just bring to bring that up. Exactly, like all the, all these individuals who are hardcore right wing zealots who don't want to, despite the the numerous myriad studies that show the efficacy of masks and stopping the spread of the coronavirus pandemic that we're still, believe it or not, going through because people still don't want to get vaccinated. Believe it or not, which we're both vaccinated. If you we vaccines are safe, they are effective. Get your COVID vaccine, people. Yeah. For this, the love of this, God, this yeah. is not just just do it. If you're if you're listening to this and not vaccinated, please go get vaccinated. Go get vaccinated. But th- there's a number of individuals on the right who are 
out there running around and they say the state doesn't have a right to to force mask mandates on anybody if a if a private business wants to open and not have mask mandates or if i if i just want to walk into any any restaurant whatever there's no right that anybody has because it's my body my choice and if a woman has a right to abort a pregnancy then i have a right to not wear a mask which well, i find fantastically interesting I, first and foremost because these are the same people who've been yelling at women for the last 40 years since roe and saying no you don't get my body my choice you, you yep. don't get to decide that's that's an actual person inside you when they're going to infect just as many people it's it's not your body if i inf- if i have covid and i don't wear a mask and i infect 10 or 50 or a thousand people that's not my body my choice anymore yeah and i think that well the mask thing is a bit a bit much but they're they're going to the vaccine thing where i think that's much more similar in that it's a medical procedure that is either being you know mandated or prevented by the government and both of those things violate that idea of of or that concept of bodily autonomy um if you the government should not be able to force you or prevent you from doing any anything you want to your own body and that, like that like i said this is this is not james's opinion this is consistent with our culture and our law and again it, it regardless of the consequences you know if you look at a baby one one moment before it's born and one moment after it's born physiologically they're identical like there is nothing different between that the only difference is whether or not is this this idea of the the mother's autonomy over her own body so you you take that to the vaccine debate and if the government is now able to take away your body sovereignty but only if it's really super duper important you know it, it, there's it's they're not going to take it away for everything so don't worry about that but if it's really really important they can take it away well as soon as you do that as soon as the government gets to define a right it's no longer a right now it's a it's, a, it's an opinion you know, now there's a threshold where above this threshold, yes, the government can make you get a, a medical procedure and below this threshold, they can't because you have autonomy over your own body. As soon as you introduce that threshold, where that threshold is becomes a matter of opinion. It's no longer an unalienable right. Now it's, now it's just, uh, now it's your opinion versus someone else's. So, and it, it's funny because I almost completely disagree with that. Mm. I think that there are instances where, uh, you know, obviously the default is let individuals choose what they think is best, let individuals make their own decisions and run their own way in life. But there are instances where, because it is super duper important that the government compelled to do something, you have to be compelled to do something. And the the first thing that comes to mind is driving on the right side of the road, unless you're in England or the Bahamas or like six other countries or whatever. If you if I want, I have the freedom to drive a car. let Let me my tax dollars paid for the road. I should be able to drive on the left side of the road. And the government comes in and says, no, it's pretty no, super me, duper important that you don't do that. Let me, let me stop you right there. It's, it only really applies to medical procedures. That's, that's kind of where this thing goes. Whether it's abortion the day before it's born or you, whether or not you're an organ donor and you, you want your organs buried with you rather than going to save lives. Or if you don't want to give up your, your blood or you don't want to take a blood transfusion, you want to decline care at the hospital. It's really just as in the medical field. So it's not really, driving on the right hand side of the road it's but medical I, procedures but we we can at least agree that there are instances in which because it is super duper important the government has a right to restrict our freedoms yes 
So I, so I, we're there on that. I agree that driving on a road, at least until if you're driving on the left side of the road and you crash head first into somebody and you both end up in the hospital, at least until that point, it is not a medical instance. <laughs> right, right. Then it becomes a pretty, pretty darn important medical instance. The, the thing with the vaccines that gets me honestly is, is not the issue of choice and autonomy and freedom and privacy. The issue that gets me is, why are we debating this in the first place? And I, I'm, I'm certainly with you in that if, if the government comes out and says, you know, Facebook or Google just invented this chip and it's going to make everybody's lives better and it's going to make everything a lot more efficient. So we're going to mandate that everybody goes and gets this chip. So we know where you are and you can text each other via your thoughts or, you know, whatever. Then that's, that's going to be a bridge See, too far. Your, but your, if it's a vaccine, if it's a vaccine where we say this is going to be a thing that saves lives, especially now in 2021, where we've had vaccines that have saved lives for decades and we've mandated them for decades. Why is this an argument that A, we're having in the first place and B, that we're having right now? Well, so you're you're arguing for the threshold that uh, I'm arguing for the threshold. But once you have a threshold, once there exists a threshold. Whether like and and this goes to the to the Texas thing in Texas, their threshold is uh, six weeks that above six weeks. That is a point where the government is allowed to come and it is important enough that the government can dictate what you do with your own body after six weeks of pregnancy. So, I mean, once you introduce a threshold where that threshold is, is up for debate and somebody can have a different opinion than you and. I don't agree with the Texas law and you don't either. We've been talking about this already. But if you're going to introduce a threshold, you have to accept that somebody's going to disagree with you. And if you live in Texas, you can't have an abortion after six weeks. And that means that they drop that threshold from global pandemic all the way down to six weeks of pregnancy. So first off, I think. Being you're, pregnant you're, and a global pandemic are two very different things. I don't think so. You're talking about life or death situations for people that are other than you. And I think the second point is usually when somebody relies on the slippery slope argument, it is because he or she understands that the point in an, in and of itself is valid and it's no longer worth arguing about that point, which I respectfully <laughs> not, is not a slippery slope argument. This I think is an actual you, thing that happened. I think that you do realize that vaccines are good and important. And I Absolutely. know that because 45 seconds ago, we both just talked about it and said so. I think that sure, obviously there could be some bureaucrat who gets elected who takes things too far just like what they happened just in Texas. did <laughs> and let me i let me ask this is you. not a hypothetical slippery slope this S- happened and i and so let me ask you do you think that there will be lawsuits about this in texas yes do you think that there will be seats lost in the texas house and the texas senate over this i don't know i don't know texas well enough to tell you that i yes the short answer is going to be yes do you think that there's going to be court cases about this yeah do you think there's going to be public policy discussions about this yeah, there already have been i, I that's exactly I think, right but i think it's going to this take is what happens years. is when you set a threshold is the public gets to have input and the public gets to go back and say you get to course correct because somebody went too far we you get to come back and say, no, we as a society are going to say this is wrong, which the, the Texas law is. They clearly wrote that law to circumvent Roe. They tried mm-hmm. to get around Roe. They know that what they're doing is legal. There's already, I just saw yesterday, there's a doctor who's been performing abortions, begging to get sued. He's been going out, trying, talking to people, trying to get sued so that it can go through the, the process in court because he knows it's not going to stand up to scrutiny. Yeah. And 
this is what happens is it's not about whether or not you set a threshold. It's about whether or not you have enough engaged, informed public debate and you can actually get legislators and lawmakers to do the right thing. And this is the whole premise of our country is based on an informed electorate where we have individuals representing our interests. You and I are not elected to anything, but we have individuals at yet, the state rep, the state senate. The congressional level, the senatorial level, or at the gubernatorial level, and at the presidency, all supposedly representing our interests. Some of those are doing a great job. Some of those are doing a lousy job. And you and I get to go out and we, on this podcast, we sit and talk about it's, well, we live in Oregon. So most of them are doing a lousy job, but <laughs> how bad of a job that they're doing. We try to go and tell people, say, Hey, this, this needs a course correction. This is important. And I, probably well, if I'm a betting man, our next episode is going to be the redistricting maps. Cause that just, this well, is September so, 22nd. They just came out yesterday. Oregon did a horrible job with that. They also did, did the a course correction. No, they're still going to go through the courts. There's uh, well, they're definitely yeah, still going to go. They're, oh, they're going to go through the courts. Terrible. They're terrible. Yeah. And this, and this is exactly it. And I, this is, this is what happens when somebody like Tina Kotek goes too far because I, Texas Republicans went but too see, far to the right. Tina Kotek went see, too far I'm, to the left. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. And it, be, it comes down Maybe. to gerrymandering because we're in a redistricting year and the Republican controlled legislature in Texas is going to redraw those lines and they're going to protect incumbents even though they're not supposed to. So all these guys who uh, this, this as they were talking about this on the 538 pol- politics podcasts where red districts get redder, blue districts get bluer because that's how you maintain power. The, the majority maintains power by doing that. And Texas Republicans push through this law, not because they're concerned, they're scared of Democrats, they're scared of getting primaried by the far right because they have made those districts so red. I think I made that point on the last episode. Did you? Yeah. Well, uh, uh, maybe you. It was, it's a good point. I don't yeah, get it no, wrong. I mean, 538, yeah, I made that. So, um, but um, I'm not sure they're going to lose seats over this. Maybe, so, maybe they will, maybe they won't. But now, I guess we'll see. Let me ask you, because we here in Oregon, we had a movement. And in fact, we had uh, an episode with League of Women Voters President Norman Terrell, where we talked about this exact thing, where we were going to try to get an independent redistricting commission because yes. Oregon is too gerrymandered. And this is somebody who admittedly was decently far to the left, but just wants to see good government. This was this was a bridge too far even for him. You still find a lot of lefty people who are just like, yeah, no, we should have an independent redistricting commission. There's a number it's, of states that have already adopted something that's like actually that. more popular with democrats than it is with republicans in oregon they're, they're independent redistricting which is there i find super interesting yet stinky ellen rosenbaum and stinky elena kagan stopped us from doing that because yeah. we're in the middle of a pandemic and it's instead like 65 percent of, yeah. of democrats support an independent commission it's it's crazy and yet we're gonna have stinky shamia fagan end up drawing the lines that are going to be partisan as all get out and there's going to be like six republicans elected to dog catcher posts in oregon that's all we're going to have in the entire state because Shamia gerrymanders those lines, but there it will go to court whether or not it stands up to scrutiny who knows but there will be a continued push to have an independent redistricting commission and just like i would tell republicans in texas is what i tell women or republicans in oregon is what i tell women in texas yeah there's going to be times that politicians have that threshold and they set it too far and it's going to end up affecting you norma mccorvey jane roe ended up having her daughter she had to carry her her child to term because the because Roe versus Wade wasn't decided until her child was like one or one and a half or something like that. Mm. So that law, despite the fact that abortion is legal in this country because of her and because of a lousy Dallas County District Attorney and because of a Supreme Court who really didn't know what they were doing, <laughs> Roe v. Wade is very poorly decided and we can get into that in another episode. But because of her, r- abortion is legal in this country. It 
what didn't come in time enough for her. And in a democracy and our, the way that we handle public policy in this country, there will be casualties for public policy casualties for lack of a better term because there are already women in texas who cannot afford to get an afford in terms of the law not in terms of the money but they cannot have the ability to go get an abortion they're going to have to carry to term babies that they don't want to carry to term but at the end of the day you have to hope that there and you have to trust to trust in the idea of America and trust in the idea of democracy, that there are enough informed citizen citizens who are going to stand up and say, no, this is wrong. We need legislators who better represent us and can actually set the threshold at the right level. Interesting. Um, one of the arguments I heard from a pretty far leftist on Reddit, I don't remember who said it, so sorry, I can't give credit, uh, that, that what they predicted was going to happen is that this is not going to hold up to scrutiny. Like you said, somebody's going to sue. It's going to go to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court's going to, going to shut it down, but that's not going to happen for a year, 18 months, at which point the Republican legislature will then pass another law, very similar, but different enough that it's different. And then that goes into effect. And then that gets challenged in the courts and it takes another year and a half, two years before it goes to the Supreme Court. They strike it down again and rinse and repeat. Until and and effectively, you have these unconstitutional laws that are always in effect because uh, it just the court system takes so long to to go through things. Meanwhile, red districts get redder. These guys are not concerned about competition from Democrats. They're concerned about you know far right, far right Republicans. Sure, and uh, the system continues. I I think that you have a generational issue where people under the age of 40 or 45 are much more, I don't want to say pro-choice, but much less hardline pro-life. And so I think 40 years from now, all of the extreme pro-life people will have passed away. And I think that this will become a non-issue, but that's 40 years from now. So I, there, I think that there might be a possibility that this just perpetuates and continues forever. There certainly exists a possibility, or at least for the next four years. I'll point to the fact that it only seems relatively recently that there's been a, a serious actual effort on behalf of state legislators to Bentley agrees with me. If you guys can hear my dog barking <laughs> in the background, I but think it's coming through been a, a serious effort on the, the part of state legislatures. You kind of saw it in Ohio. You saw it in Mississippi. You're now seeing it in Texas to restrict a woman's right to choose. And I don't know if this is, if we are now emboldened by the fact that there's a, a five and a half to four and a half majority on the Supreme Court. 100% kind of call why. it six to three, but 100% I, that's why certainly I kind of think that they're, that's the case because they're hoping one of these will stick. You're assuming that now there's yeah. at least five justices who are pro-life and who agree that Roe was poorly decided in his bad law, which it was and it is. But the, again, that's a point for another episode, but that there are enough to, to have one of these laws, like you say, stick for lack of a better term. I, don't know that that means if if something gets in fact to the Supreme Court and it goes back to the states like it was before Roe. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much more of this you're going to see. I think you might just see a lot of. I mean, you already see medical tourism. You see people go to to Spain or to India well, or something for, for only procedures for people on their of eyes, only for people of means. Like, and I, a lot of people can't afford to go to India for a whatever. lot of people can't afford to go to a lot of, a people, lot of people can't afford from Oklahoma to, to, to get out of Missouri right, exactly. to get from a red state to a blue state where you can where abortion can be legal. And 
if you are an individual who believes in a, a woman's right to choose, if you believe that an abortion is a right, then that's obviously a wrong. But this is the, this is the beauty of a democracy. This, we get to go vote those people out. If you believe that that's a problem, keep voting for people like Joe Biden. For as much as Sleepy Joe screws everything else up, at least he's going to appoint a lefty Supreme Court justice whenever <laughs> whoever the next Clarence Thomas retires or if somebody dies on the bench or whoever the next president after Joe Biden is, if it's Kamala Harris, keep voting for those people because this is the way that you go. And because as soon as that happens, some blue state is going to have a new abortion law and they're going to make it up there and it's going to get to the Supreme Court. It's going to be row 2.0 and then abortion is going to be legal everywhere else in the country again, especially if, as you say, the majority of people, the majority of younger people are if even if you're pro-life, you're still kind of a lot less still pro-life than you were 40 years ago. This isn't the. You know, who was, oh God, who, Phyllis Schlafly. I think she was more of an economics person, but I was just some far right female conservative person. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, if we, before we go, I actually, I want to talk about the, and are, are we coming up on <laughs> no, time? Uh, five minutes. Okay, good. Uh, so we, we mostly got into a very heady policy kind of slash philosophical discussion. I'd love to talk about the politics of this for a minute. Sure. Because Texas just screwed us. us like no others. Us Republicans pretty much anywhere in the country, but especially here in blue states, because I we've had one gubernatorial candidate here on the podcast already. Whoever it ends up being, this is gonna this is gonna be something that haunts him or her until the general election is what do you think about the Texas law? What do you think about Roe? What do you think about being pro choice? And in Oregon where pick a number 60 65 70 75 percent of people are pro-choice and you're trying to win an election a general election of all of the eligible adult voters here in the state of oregon how do you how can you be pro-life but then defend something as blatantly illegal and unconstitutional as the law that texas just passed i i don't know what do you what do you say this this is another another comment from reddit that i thought was really interesting to see how some of those on the left think is the the post was hey are you tired of kate brown are you tired of ted wheeler are you tired of the way that the state is being run and you're thinking about voting gop the next election look at texas this is what republican leadership will get you so keep voting democrat they suck but there are suck there there are people and i i think you're right i think that 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 is the way a lot of people think and this that they are going to i mean kate brown and ted wheeler in particular are doing an awful job of running the state and and the city of portland but they have no competition because everybody looks at anybody who has an r by their name and they see the state of texas and they see someone who wants to take away the a woman's right to choose down to six weeks and they they don't trust us they won't vote for us and you're absolutely right this this was uh tactical error on the on the part of republicans throughout the country by doing this and like you said it's unconstitutional it's going to get struck down by the Supreme court probably two years from now but it, it is one of the other points i wanted to make though is uh you know who could fix this mess uh nancy pelosi nancy pelosi could get in there and define roe v wade put in put in law what it what is allowed and what's not and uh, why do you think that they're not doing that? 
It's a fair point. There's obviously a ton of money. There's a ton of bombs to throw at the other side because this person supports X law or whatever. And obviously now you get crazy Texans doing their crazy Texan thing. Yeah. Um, I fully believe in three co-equal branches of government and I do not believe in judicial activism. The judiciary should not be setting, setting policy. The legislature should set policy. The, the judiciary interprets the policy and the executive branch, um, executes they they enforce it that's how the the three branches are supposed to work and so what what we've had recently is everybody like the legislature the congress has given up power to the executive branch and the judicial branch and you now you have presidents ruling by executive order and you have uh the supreme court making policy decisions and neither of those things should be happening this should all be done by congress and it kind of frustrates me that they are just kind of abdicating that responsibility because they're just concerned about getting reelected. And it just, uh, the, the Congress has become this ineffective cesspool of grifters and I'm sick of it. It's a good name for a punk band though. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> we are uh, just about out of time. All um, right. So we, we've both already answered the, the, who is your favorite Republican question? We got to think of another question that we can, that we can ask ourselves. Who's your favorite dog? Who's your favorite dog? I mean, I, I'm biased. I got a pug. I don't, he didn't make an appearance on video, but. Oh, he's on, he's he, on the podcast. Yeah, he's made an sure. appearance he's on the on audio him. and I yeah. kind of several times before, but, um, I, I honestly, until I met my wife and this is my wife's dog, I, I'm a, I'm a big dog guy. I had a black lab sheep dog growing up and I, I like dogs that weigh a hundred pounds and kind of come up to here on you and are, you can go throw a frisbee to or a tennis ball to or something like that. Sure. Yeah. That's more like my dog, Charlie, the Husky. Charlie, the Husky. Yeah. He is uh 95 pounds. He is a big boy. And he also was my wife's dog who I inherited when we got married. So, um, two for the price of one. That's you I know, and I are right? both. We're Love signing it. up for more than we're bargaining Love for. It. Married the women, uh, the, our, our true loves, and we got a little bonus gift to go with it. Exactly. Madeline, I hope you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca stopped listening this long time ago. Anyway, uh, listeners and viewers, uh, thanks so much for tuning in this time, and we will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Rational Republican Podcast. Your hosts are James Ball and Nick Perlosky. The show today is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors of Portland, serving the greater Portland metro area for all your garage door installation and repair needs. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email us at james at jamesaball.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can find our episodes at jamesaball.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts.